Welcome to Soberholic, a podcast about Christian recovery, where each week we explore topics that can free you from bondage and strengthen your relationship with God, others, and yourself. Now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. Welcome back to Soberholic Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you thought you were going to introduce this that show. So, I beat you to that it. That was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> you said, yeah. <laughs> you did beat me because I was six to say it and you said it. I said it. I beat you. All right. Well, here's what I'm going to say is that we're going to start with a new episode and it's going to be kind of a follow-up from what we talked about last week. And this week we're going to be talking about cleaning up, like kind of like I need to go take a shower. Yeah. But not really that kind of cleanup. Um, we're going to be talking about, you know, um, really steps four through seven. We said last week, kind of to give everyone uh, a recap, um, we're going to take four episodes and we're going to explain all 12 steps into four episodes. And we kind of name these give up, clean up, make up, and grow up. And this week, uh, we, it's the continuation of steps four through seven. Or it wouldn't be a continuation of those steps. It would be the sequel. We're doing those steps. Yeah, We, we are doing those. Yeah. But We did one through three last week. Yeah. And so that we talked about a little bit about I can't, he can, I'll let him, which that was the whole idea of giving up. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not, yeah, giving That's up. It. I got you it got right. It. Uh-huh. Questioning myself, huh? And then today we're going to talk to you about cleaning up, and and it's not the idea of like we're dirty and got to clean up, but maybe it's some baggage that we've carried and we feel dirty, you know, on the inside. Yes. And we're going to get rid of this guilt and this shame through these forced or how many steps would this be? Three steps. Three steps. Yeah. <laughs> we do math. I math right there. Yeah. But we're going to do talk about three more steps about how you can kind of clean some of this wreckage up from the past. Right. Yeah, because yeah, when you come into recovery from an addiction, no matter what it is, you're carrying a ton of baggage, and you you have more than likely picked up a ton of resentments along the way, whether that's towards people or institutions or your, you know, or yourself or God. You you pick up a lot of resentments. Um, you you probably have done something that you're ashamed of in some kind of way, and you've let all these character defects just run rampant in your life, character defects slash sins. Um, and you, you, you know, even if you are, you know, at that point in time when you get to these steps, even if you are abstaining from whatever that addiction is, say it's drugs or alcohol, even if you're clean, you still have all this wreckage in your life from the past that you need to work on because they, I've heard it said in recovery that resentment, is the number one offender and that's why people most of the time why people relapses over this past wreckage well we talked about in our first show and we've talked about in several shows that you and i are both christians and let me ask you this question and you know you don't know that it's coming so prepare yourself is that when you became a christian and i believe that you you made that saving faith somewhere when you worked the steps this time Am I right or wrong? When I was when I was younger, but I mean when I he was no longer Lord of my life. Like he was not in charge or whatever until this last time. Yeah. Okay, so the, kind of the same thing. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people even find themselves that way, right? 
because I had a belief. It just never was a, I don't know if it was a saving faith, but it was, it was a belief of some sort. But the question is this, when you, um, came back to, to the Lord or you came mm-hmm. to whatever, did you, when you said that prayer or when you made that decision to follow him, make him Lord, did all your problems just go away? Did you feel like all the wreckage was cleared up? No, not at all. I mean, I still, I was homeless at the time when I made that decision. I was in rehab at a, at a, a Christian transformation center for men and I didn't have a dime in my pocket. I didn't have a job. Um, you know, my family was still, you know, waiting it out to see if I was going to make it or, you know, what I was going to do, if I was going to leave the place or whatever. I mean, I didn't have the trust in my family at that point. You know, I had no, I had no hope as like, I had no certainty of what the future held. I didn't know anything. Um, and I was, but I made that, that step of faith to, to surrender my life to the Lord at that time. But there was still a ton of work to be done. It wasn't, it's kind of like that second Corinthians five seventeen verse. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. A lot of people try to take that verse and just they, when they, when they get clean or when they quit their addiction or whatever, they take that verse and they want to run a touchdown with it and, and they're, and, and be done. Right. I'm done. I'm a new creation. And I'm not saying that verse isn't true, but there's nowhere in there that says you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do any work at all in order to have healing from your past consequences. Because I do think that when when Christ redeems us, that we do become new creations. But that doesn't mean that we still don't have to work on cleaning out the past wreckage. Yeah, I, I, I truly believe that I, I am a new person. I'm no longer that old person, but that didn't happen in an instance for me. I mean, when I stood up from saying that prayer um, that we talked about last week, I did feel different in the fact that I had hope again, and I felt humbled because of who he was, and I believed that he could fix what was going on, but I still felt less than because I carried a lot of baggage with me. And that didn't go away with a prayer. That didn't go away with just a new identity being a Christian. Uh, in a lot of ways, it made things worse. It made me question this prayer I just said because how could I really believe all this and still walk around with all this guilt and shame and remorse and all that? I had to work through that stuff so that I could believe that I was this new person that the Bible told me that I was. Yeah, I mean, it. it I, I've, I've seen people that – you know, have a crippling addiction or whatever, and and God heals them instantly, and they set it down and never come back to it or whatever. But that's not been my case, and I don't think that's been your case either. It mm-hmm. took it took time, and it was it was a long process um, that that you know took a lot of work to do. So, in order to clean up, probably the first thing that I think of is that we need to take just an, an honest inventory of ourselves. And we've got to know how bad it really is. What are we dealing with? Because if you're like me, you've taken some of the worst things in your life and you've compartmentalized them and you've put them in closets and where you would never look at them again. And you swore that nobody would ever find out about these things. And so you you don't even really remember what's going on. In fact, you've you've told so many lies that you've believed these lies now. You don't even know what's true or false, or at least that's the way my life was. Yeah, I mean, I don't 
I never thought about any of this stuff until I worked the 12 steps. You don't want to think about all your, you don't want to, you're not going to own your own, systematically list all your resentments. I mean, it's just not something that you want to do. Like that closet that's right over there, it's a train wreck inside there, mm-hmm. but it's out of sight and out of mind. I don't see it. The there's door, not even carpet in that closet. There's no carpet in there. There's like a broken piece of marble from the fireplace that's upstairs <laughs> that I don't know what to do with. And then now it's stacked high all the way to the ceiling full of mainly junk. But since I don't ever see it, you know, I don't I don't really think about it. And I don't really want to think about it because if I think about it, then I'm going to have to get in there and clean it out. But the rest of the room's clean. The rest yeah, of the room's clean. What everybody clean. else sees what looks great. everybody else sees, yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a picture of our lives yeah. when we come into recovery is we've, we've packed all of our garbage into these corners that we don't want anybody to look at. We've quit looking at them. In fact, when you begin taking an inventory of yourself, you even start looking at the people who's done you wrong. Right. And honestly, I, I didn't go around every waking moment thinking, well, Jim, Joe, and Betty, they all did this to me. But deep inside of me, I used a lot of that resentment to drive me to do s- more stupid stuff. Yeah, it's like it's like the whole iceberg analogy. Like, you know, you only see 10% of the iceberg and 90% under underneath the water. It, the, the resentments, even if you're not consciously thinking about them, if they're there, it's like a it's like a slow like a slow simmer under the surface that is is still fueling your addiction, you know, and it, and you can you know, the whole like it, it's like a slow poison, you know, that that slowly um can just infiltrate your whole life and um I used I used those resentments um you know, I had 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 several big ones that I used to fuel my addiction for years. You know, and it wasn't like I was going around consciously thinking about it all the time. But whenever I would think about it, I would like I would like backtrack to look at the last you know period of time of my addiction and be like, well, you know, if anybody had had that happen to them, they would you know they would be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, and I would use it as an excuse to justify my addiction. Right. Have you, um, I know you're, you're an online shopper and I like to do it, but I I still like to go in touch and feel and make sure like, especially like clothes, I want to see if they're going to be my size or, um, I, I just like to touch things and to know that it's the right thing. Like I'll take something in with me. If it's a part I'm buying, I'll take the part into the store and compare it to make sure I've got the right part versus having to wait for, you know, to be mailed to the house. And I do this a lot. Like, um, one of the local stores here is Lowe's and I may need something from Lowe's, but rather than driving all the way there, I will normally check online first to, to see, see if, if they, they have, have it. it. Yeah. And usually you can look and they'll tell you how many of those they have in stock. And at times I will check and they'll say, okay, they have one of this item. Mm. And I'm already questioning there. Um, do, do you do that? Because if you ever, showed up there to, to to find that one item and it not be there oh yeah it happened to me last year on what target with airpods uh, they said they had some i got there they ain't got none that's so i was like no because <laughs> no, you drive all the way over to look for it and they're not there so one thing that businesses do to 
to prevent that, at least the ones that do it well, they take an inventory. Yeah. And they're going to see what's on the shelves, what they're dealing with, what they've got, what they don't have. Because it may say they're showing 10 of them and have none. It may show they have none and they have 10 of them. Yeah. I've seen that happen. Oh, yeah. And so ultimately, when we're taking an honest inventory of ourselves, that's what we're doing. We're looking at what we have in our lives that we're, we're dealing with. Uh, now, when I did this first in a secular meeting, and um, I, I was, it was AA that I did this in the first time, uh, we focused on a lot of the bad stuff. And rightfully so, there was tons of it. And that's a lot of what was bogging me down. Now, as I worked through these steps for years, I've noticed that a lot of people kind of start uh, falling out of recovery around step four and five. And it's because it is hard to look at a lot of this stuff. And, you know, the excuse you hear a lot is, I don't want to live in the past. No, yeah. that, that is simply a way of justifying you not looking at the past right. to, to move forward. So um, in order to, to, to take an inventory, I've got to look at the bad stuff. And that's what you know, my first sponsor in AA taught me was to do this. Now, as I've done some other step work in, in, in celebrate recovery, it also told me to look for good stuff. It, I don't know if yeah. you noticed that as oh, well. Yeah. Balance. Yeah. And that was really, really encouraging for me. I needed to see some good stuff. Now I'll tell you, and maybe our listeners can identify to this, that my list of bad things or way longer than my good stuff. Oh, In yeah. fact, usually my sponsor has to show me a couple of good things. Yeah. Because I, I don't just I don't look for that in my life, and it's yeah. hard for me to see them. And I take the good for granted a lot of times. So it was good to see um, what I was dealing with through an honest inventory. And I say honest because you can you can take an inventory and really never know. I think that's what Lowe's does. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they just kind of skim the surface. Say, oh yeah, I think we got that. Yeah. Um, those don't work. No. It has to be an honest inventory. And do you do you get it all perfect? Of course, you're not. You're, right. you're never going to get it perfect. You're never going to nail everything down. But you know what you're skipping, right? You know what you've hid in the closet. You're just not willing to pull out yet. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's just something that you don't want to look at. And so that's that's why, like, especially, I mean, with all the steps, but especially with this step, you need a sponsor there, you know, to encourage you to, hey, let's look, you know, let's look at this, you know, or to encourage you when you are about to do the three-step shuffle and do the first three steps and then just, give up and get out of there um because this is the you know the four step and fifth step are the ones that people are get really scared about but you know i always tell people you just got to do it you just got to do it and get it done instead of drawing it out this is the point in my recovery where i found that i needed a sponsor and i didn't think about this until you were talking but on our first show that we did last week on this about giving up it said i can't he can, I'll let him. But for me, it went like that. I can't, he can, I'll let him. And then it was like, but I can do it on my own without a sponsor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is the exact opposite. Exactly. Of I mean, as quick as I took the third step, yeah. I had done realized, no, I've got this, you yeah. know? And, but I, I guess I know looking at it now that, that God humbled me somewhere in that process to say, you, just, I just, I could not figure out how to do this inventory and not do it right. Like I, I knew whatever I was going to do, I was going to be winging it. I needed someone to show me to do what I'm talking about here. And that that's, you know, it was 
a humbling experience to ask someone, but that's where I first saw that I needed a sponsor, which is kind of really the second part of what we've got to do if we're going to come clean or if we're going to clean up, I guess, is to share this thing. Most of everything that I, that I had hid in my closet, I knew it was there. I mean, I hadn't looked at it in a long time. You know, it was, it was packed in there, but I knew it was there. And with just a little bit of help, um, it was easy to see it again. Then I had to, you know, ultimately, um, because of my faith, I, I had to share that with God. You know, I had to be repentant about it. I needed to really make a decision to quit. Not just share it, but make a decision to stop doing it. Yeah. And I, and I shared that with God. Those two things was relatively easy because I believe that God already knew those things. So it wasn't like a big, I got you, God. You know, um, he, he knew. He already knew. And then there was the... I knew with myself that, yeah, I mean, you hit it, but, I mean, now it's time to do something different. But then to share that with somebody else, mm. Mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the first time I I did the fourth, the fifth step and shared with a sponsor, like, it was, it was okay. And then I got a second sponsor sometime later, mm-hmm. and we, uh, we worked through the steps, and I was like, I already shared it one time. That's good enough. Mm-hmm. I already shared it one sponsor. Y'all don't have to do it again this time, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like, now I don't care, you know? And, but it's it's like, I still wanted to fight it, even though I'd already shared, you know, s- some of the things that I had done that I was, you know, ashamed of some of the terrible things I had done in my addiction. Well, that's one of the coolest things about cleaning up as we share these things with ourselves, with God and someone else then the more we share it, the less it has power over us. Yes. You know, it's funny that you said that because I know when, when I started sponsoring you, you said, well, I probably just need to share with you some of the big things that happened to you that I had yeah. kid. And like we went across those big ones that even though you shared it with other people and mm-hmm. they wasn't struggling, you weren't struggling with them. It was like, here they are. You know? Here they are. Uh, it's, yeah. it's not really even that big a deal to me anymore because I've, I've dealt with them. Yeah. And those are how we get those skeletons out of the closet. Right. One of the cool things that I've noticed is I've shared those things and I've, I've taken that guilt and shame away from it and the power that it had over me. I could begin to look people in the eye again. Yeah. Like, I'm sure to an extent maybe you felt this, but when I would go out in public, especially if I saw someone I had done wrong, I would try to avoid them. I did not want to see you when I was shopping at Lowe's because you might ask me about that. Usually it has something to do with money that I had taken from you or had done stole from you or there was something I had done you wrong with. And so I didn't want to talk to you about it. And now just because I shared these with my sponsor didn't remove that offense. We'll get to that in one of our other episodes. Right. But as I shared that with someone else, it helped take that power away to where I could begin to look up and, you know, and I don't know, regain some self-confidence. Again. Yeah. I mean, it's like James five sixteen says, you know, uh, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Right. Like, you know, I, I, I knew once I got to this step, I knew that, you know, God was, you know, had forgiven me. I'd asked for, for his forgiveness, but there's something about, confessing your sins to another person and telling another person the wrongs that you you have done that is just there's freedom in it Mm -hmm. and there's healing in it that i don't think can you know a a full healing can't come to to a person 
um, just for ask, just by asking forgiveness from God. I think that you know that scriptures in there for a reason, and I think they're to to have a a full healing, you know, from uh, your past sins or whatever that you need to confess it to somebody. Um, you know, I I don't think. God's forgiveness is like contingent on that or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I, I think, I think there's definitely healing that comes in it. And I, I really, for me, I, I find that I had a lot more relief, um, when, when I did in the fifth step than I did the fourth step. I mean, the fourth step was good and I, and I needed to do it and I got a lot out of it, but I, I felt a sense of relief, a lot more on the fist up because it was it was things I had never told a soul and that I had specifically told myself that I will definitely not ever tell another soul and I'll go to the grave with those things. Right. And so when I finally shared them, it was like it was a, it was a, it was a relief. It didn't happen like instantaneously or anything like that. But like over time and especially now looking back, you know, um, the fact that I've I've. I've told several sponsors those things. Um, you know, it it just doesn't. I don't feel the guilt over those things anymore like I used to. I'm not carrying this big load around with me anymore. And for those of people who are listening that go, well, if you have in your idea of this Catholic confession, right? It's it's nothing like no, that. No, no. My my sponsor, when I sat down with him, I began to share with these things that I said I would never share with anybody. He was like, "Really? Well, this is what I did, you know." It, and it was worse. I know. And I was like, <laughs> "Wow." Yeah. I mean, I, this is not as bad as I thought it was no. because he showed me that I was human and right. I made mistakes just like everybody else. And man, that gave me so much freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like, Father, forgive me, I've sinned. These are my sins, and I laid them all out. Um, it wasn't anything like that. It was just two guys getting together, and I was able to trust somebody again. Yeah. And for me, that that was really good because I had always gravitated towards women, and with my sponsor being a male, I had someone that I could identify with, and you know, it was. I don't know. I guess it was kind of a bonding moment for us to be able to to share those things back and forth with one another. Yeah, I always share mine with my sponsees now. Mm-hmm. So there's like all, there's a bunch of people that know mine now, but I don't care, right? You know, because it doesn't have any power over me anymore. I've got a 17 year old son and teenage boy, right? And there are days, possibly weeks, that he will go and never take a shower. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, there are times I look at him and go, you need to bathe, dude. I mean, wow. you stink. And every teenage kid is this way. I mean, he's not he's not by himself here. Like, just take a shower, man. You've been at work for two days. Take a shower. It feels good to take a shower. But, you know, he never really takes a shower until he's believes he's got a, you know, until he believes he's dirty, <laughs> you know? And, and, and you can't make him do that. I think about that, and I, I kind of loosely use that illustration to talk to bring up our, our third point here. That you've got to accept responsibility. You've got to accept that you're dirty here. That you've got some, you know, for for what we're talking about with step work, you've got to to accept that you've got something in that fight. There, there's possibly something you did to instigate this resentment towards this person you've got. Yeah. I found that out with a lot of mine. Now, when I've looked through myself and I've taken this inventory of myself and I shared it with a sponsor, I would have told that sponsor, no, there's no way I did any of that. That was all their fault, and that's the reason it happened because of what they did. 
And my sponsor was able to point out to me, no, um, this is what you did. This was the decisions you made that led to that action. And that's a humbling experience, but it gave me the opportunity to accept my part in it, to say, yes, it, it wasn't the way you saw it. It gave me a different perspective on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when whenever whenever you're looking at yourself, I mean, you know, you don't you don't want to look at those things that you have a part in, you know, especially in your resentment. Uh, when you're given your resentment list, you're just like this. These people wrong me. This job I had, they did me wrong, blah, 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 which in most of my resentments, I played my own part in it. And if not even the bigger part in the whole a whole deal. And that's, again, where you need a sponsor to help you see that because you're not just going to naturally be like, let me see where I was selfish. You know, I'm searching out where I was selfish. So, and and it's the same thing with, with you know, the, the last part of these steps with the character defects, you know, making a list of things that, you know, are defective in your character, the things that, like, you know, w- whether it's pride or, or, or whatever, um, you're particular character defect is you you just don't naturally want to look at them and that's why you need a sponsor to go over those things right and i I noticed for me and possibly you is i kept seeing my part well as my sponsor pointed out my part is probably the better way of saying that i kept seeing these character defects in my life and there was these insecurities I had in myself that caused me to do certain things, this selfishness that I had in my, that, that caused me to act and do certain things. And it helped me to see patterns mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. And those patterns are actually what was the problem. Those, those defects of character was really my bigger issue that I needed to deal with. It wasn't the drugs and alcohol per se was my problem. It hasn't been just the food the problem. It's the underlining issues, yeah. the roots of the issue of what I began to see. I never expected to see those things, but as I dug a little deeper through this inventory, that's what I began to see. Yeah, because it's the character defects. Like You might clean out some of the wreckage of the past, but if you let the character defects go unchecked, it can just keep making more wreckage as you go along. Mm-hmm. You know, take take the character defect of anger. You know, you might be sober, you might be a year sober, or you might be a year free from whatever your addiction was. But if you're still dealing with anger issues, well, that can wreak havoc in your family, you know, and it can wreak havoc at your your place of employment or or, or any all your any and all of your relationships. If you have anger issues and you react, you know, to situations um, with that character defect, you're gonna you're gonna keep piling up the wreckage, and you're gonna, you know, hurt people, and you're gonna hurt your relationships, and you know, and then in turn, that's gonna feed back in on your addiction, and you're gonna be tempted to to partake of whatever your addiction is again to to cover up those feelings of inadequacy and guilt that come from you know having more wreckage one of the illustrations i use a lot to help explain to people in recovery is most of the time i have spent my life um just going in if you imagine like a, a garden i go into it and i would just pick the the weeds you know from up, up top just kind of cut the grass you know just kind of yeah. 
and and that's what my recovery looked like. I would quit drinking for a little while because I just cut the grass out of the garden, but it always grew back and with usually a little little you know harder a little thicker a little more dense mm. and it was a little worse and so the only way to really fix that from not coming back any weed is to pull it up by the roots and then it's, it's gone for yeah. good that's what i had to do when i took this honest inventory of myself as i i tried to to look at this and to clean up is to take an honest inventory share that with a sponsor and then you know by taking my you know seeing my part in it and by looking for these patterns i was able to begin grabbing these things by the roots yeah i mean because if you don't if you don't kill them at the root then you know it's gonna it, it might take on a different form you know the the same character defect like pride you know that can take on many different forms you know it, it can look different um, but if you don't, if you don't kill it at the root, you know, it's just going to manifest in a different way. And you know, that, that's, I can when I got to these steps, like it wasn't like I, I was able to identify some things I didn't know about myself, but it was a little disheartening somewhat. And because it was like, well, how am I going <laughs> to fix all these things that are wrong with me? But then, you know, it's like you can on your own. You know, that was the reminder of it that because, you know, you know, part of one of the steps is, you know, asking God to remove all these character defects. There's God who has he's the he's the one that has the power to do that. I can't do it, you know, on my own, um, no matter how hard I try. And so um, a, a lot of these defects of character, you know, that I still struggle with, it's like at the end of the day, I mean, I can try as hard as I can, but I have to have help from, you know, from God himself to help me with these things. And and it's, it's, it's kind of a, you get into a lifestyle and I think, I think you and I, you know, we talk about our character defects pretty frequently as far as, because, you know, because it's always a different one, mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll get some freedom from one of them, you know, I'm we'll be doing good with anger and then it'll be, you know, something else pop up, you know, it'll be pride or ego will pop up next. And then you work on that one and then another one pops up. Constantly balancing the plates. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it does say, you know, remove all a L L that's a big word, man, mm -hmm. because I, I don't know that I've ever really, I don't know that I've ever really wanted to do them all at one time. <laughs> I mean, that's probably a, a false prayer. I'm afraid, you know, because I, I mean, sometimes, yeah, but I don't think there's ever been a moment in my life that I'm ready to give it all over. There, there are certain things I hold back. Yeah. And so if you get to this point and you say, I'm not ready to give it all, then, then give as much as you can Yeah, is what I would suggest to you because I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Progress, um, not perfection. But it's so much better than it was. Yes. You know, and so it keeps getting better. And I'm hoping that one day I can say on this show that, you know, I've, I've done that. I've given it all over. But – um, I'm still a work in progress right now. Yes. It's okay. I've learned that it's okay to be that. Yeah. So to recap it all, last week we talked about um, what we need to do to give up. And this week we've talked about cleaning up. And that's steps four through seven where it's important to take an honest inventory, look at the good and the bad. You want to share that with yourself, with God, your sponsor. Um, accept the responsibility that maybe you played a part in some of that. And if you're looking – for that responsibility all by yourself, you'll probably never find it. You need a sponsor in your life 
up you see your part. And then as you do that, look for some character defects that may be a pattern um, that could be the, the bigger issue going on in your life. And those are the things that you're looking to remove. And so next week, we're going to continue this as we begin talking about making up. Mm. And that's the next part of this four-part series. Yeah, sounds good. All right, I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics. Soberholics.